Welcome to the Cinephile History Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. Uh, this is the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. Oh, 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 oh. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I am Jabba Will. How I feel and look. Because we're on camera now. Can you see me? No. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be fun. I think the funniest part of this is going to be like, what do we do during the five minutes where the other person talks? Are we like over here like, oh, just zonked out? Oh, yeah. well, I mean, I had to put clothes on for the first time for this. So as yeah. soon as you said that, I pulled my headphone cord out. So I had no idea what you just said, but that's great. All right. I'm sure, it's good. Um, everyone will figure it out. Yeah, I guess they will now, especially because we're on video. Like, what the hell did Don do? <laughs> oh, he pulled his headphones out. I see it right there in the corner. The only All thing right. I pulled out. Anyway. <clears throat> Hello. Well, we got to save that for the fans, Lee, and, and OnlyFans content when this video goes really well. It's for yeah, subscribe so, to our CHF OnlyFans, please. That's right. That's right. Two, two sweaty men. We need, we need to be your hookup. Okay. Simple as that. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum's sake. We're share passions and high fives, watch away, any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about, if you can't tell from the job of reference dropped by my co host, Will, we're going to talk about Return of the Jedi. Uh, from 1983 it just came out uh to the big screen for a little turn at, for its 40th anniversary um will was able to take his daughter i was able to take my kids and we figured you know what let's have a little fun talking about kind of where we land with original trilogy star wars for the anniversary so our format is this the recommending level will go first they will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case the hater follows with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present any counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth after that we'll open it up for about 30 minutes to share a conversation with a hits if it really gets chippy so i don't have a good transition like i don't have like a jedi sound effects and shit like that i got nothing so well that's what we we're, are that's what we're going to rely on our legendary editor who, who promised Ooh. us we can get film clips and sound effects so yeah uh screen wipes let lucas and lucas yeah. screen wipes yeah. right here there's gonna be a big lightsaber and it's gonna be green gonna i know he's gonna be here. able to do it it's gonna come up from you know yes and uh <laughs> Hit the fucking bell yeah exactly yeah. so expect i can't wait to see that mitch good luck yeah yeah <laughs> hi Good luck. High hurdles to get to. Uh, we didn't even talk about this before we recorded. Hater, lover, who's it going to be? Oh, well, I, I think we're both lovers. I mean, it's this is in your yeah. top 100. Um, this is in my top 100. This is my, what's, what's, my second highest. Second highest. Yeah, my I, second highest Star Wars. When we did our top 100, I mean, I only had one Star Wars film, which isn't bad since there's only three of them. Um, oh, uh, I only had which one, which is Point of Contention. Yes, which is yes. Empire Strikes Back. Um, but I mean, Return of the Jedi is seminal viewing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I mean, I watched this. My dad used to have uh his insurance agency right next to a video store. So when I was four or five, I mean, I'd go to this video store, I'd look through all the videos, and then no matter what it was that I thought was cool, I'd just grab Return of the Jedi, just watch that. I mean, I've it's easily on my list. I think I made a letterbox list for this. Maybe I haven't yet, but a okay. list of easily films I've seen over a hundred times easily. Damn. I mean, I mean okay. hundred is, I, I think it might be hyperbolic, but there's definitely no way I have not seen Return of the Jedi at least. I mean, realistically in terms of sitting down, 
and watching it, I mean, it's got to be in the 30s, realistically. Okay. So I say 100 because when I was a kid, I mean, I don't know if this is the same for you, but, you know, we're VHS era kids. And, no. you know, we, I, I mean, I just remember movies like Gremlins 2, Back to the Future, um, and then some weird ones when I got a little bit older, like Beverly Hills Cop 3, of all things. But stuff that was just on rotation endlessly, like just constantly on tv constantly being watched so i mean return of the jedi is like one of those movies that's just like in my and we'll talk about this with the special edition but Mm -hmm. it's one of those ones that is not just visually in my dna but like the audio cues just take you back you know it's just there's this is just one of those movies that's that's seminal to my development maybe it's not in my top 100 but I mean, if there was anything that would probably be 101, it would have to be this one. I mean, it's just okay. too, too important not to put on. Oh. I guess that puts me first then as the super lover. All right, I'll mm-hmm. start at five and go. All right, mm-hmm. uh, Return of the Jedi for me. I'm not far away from you. Um, I did not see any of these movies on the big screen until the special editions in the, in the late 90s. Um, and that was okay because, yeah, we were still VHS kids and it was nice to see them in that way. I'm pretty sure Return of the Jedi was something that was like, like recorded from television with commercial breaks. Like I didn't have a good VHS copy of return of the Jedi and that's okay because it was still just fun. I think um watching it now, especially for this 40th anniversary and bringing my own kids to it. My own kids have been into star Wars for a while and we've, we've seen all the movies and whatnot. And for kids, especially for little kids, my kids are uh, 10 and eight and mm-hmm. they probably watched these movies when they were six and three. So we've been circling these for a bit where this is easily probably thanks to the Ewoks, the most kiddable star Wars movie they've mm-hmm. got. And I think that plays well on the big screen. And that was kind of my excitement to going into this was, you know, a chance to take my kids to see a star Wars movie on the big screen. We, we they weren't old enough for those three movies. You don't like to talk about um, that are sure. star Wars adjacent. I don't know. What you're um, yeah, 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 yeah. Some hacks made some stuff, but um. They uh they're not old enough to see those in the big screen, but uh this was nice. Um uh, we we tuned it up too. We uh went to like the biggest like Marcus Ultra screen we could find with the Dreamliner seats and the Dolby Atmos sound so we can rattle our asses when when Millennium Falcons wheel by and you know Admiral Akbar yells and all that. But my kids were into it. Um and that was kind of the cool thing for me is like I, I for as much as I've been able to see this movie on the big screen um a few times, like obviously the late nineties um special editions was a chance to see the big screen when force awakens that movie done by hacks came out um they showed um seven random movies and three of them happened to be these original ones we know of uh so i got to see this in the big screen back in that day in 2015 but um so i was i was good to go like this was more me kind of playing that dad just kind of looking left to my right and just seeing what my kids think of it and that's the that luckily is still, I think, the wonder and power of Star Wars. When done right and done in the OG way, mm-hmm. uh, these movies just captivate. Um, they're not over busy. They're not over, uh, especially considering that this one's kind of the busiest one. We're, we're mm-hmm. like you've talked about in the show, and we've talked about in the show where we've got some movies that try to hop uh, Lucas in style, like between three different kinds of endings and conclusions, and trying to juggle what all that is. And this movie definitely does that. You have the forest moon part, you've got Luke and the, in the throne room, and obviously you've got the space battle on the outside. And there's a lot there that you want to keep up with. But um, this one, compared to some of the other ones that, again, we don't speak of, or at least my partner doesn't speak of, um, this one really moves and is edited really nicely. I think one of the things that really helps is um, Williams is just on point with that score where the peaks and the moments that come in that battle of Endor three part sequence is, is great because like 
the choral voices during the lightsaber fight between um darth and his son you, you never heard that in a star wars movie up to that point and it just fit that big moment because mm -hmm. uh, they're in silhouette and all you see is the glow of their lightsabers and it's great um you have just the the zip that is out there when it comes to the just land of corrosion doing his thing and then of course you have the ewoks doing their own little you know their own little martial and little showtime stuff and yeah it just um I was surprised watching it this time with adult eyes, just how well this movie still moves for an over two hour movie. My kids were into it every step of the way. I enjoyed where it went and, uh, and just the experience of getting in the big screen. I'm not a super duper hater when it comes to the special editions. Um, it is what it is and it works for me. Um, I know not everyone's a Hayden Christensen folk person and all that, but I, I I'm always fine with the extra this and extra that. It doesn't take me out of the movie. I'm one of those easy to please people where um, shout out to our friend, David Foley of the kicking the of our kicking the seat panel that we share. He's uh, keeping it real. He's just one of those guys. And I'm kind of one of those people too, where it's just nice to have more star Wars. And, and I, whether they tinker with it, whether they mess with it, um, it's still the creator himself doing it where I, I, I can step back and respect it. Is it better? Maybe the other way. Do I like Yubnub better than the song they got in the end of this one? Yeah, I do. But um yeah, I'm still here. I'm still enjoying it. Uh, and at this point, it becomes a time capsule for these kids that are watching it now for the first time. And um, I was very happy to be that dad that got to take take kids to go see something on the big screen and get glued to their seat, get their ears pinned back by by light speed, this and that. And mm -hmm. it was a good time. And with 20 minutes, 20 seconds to go, mm. that's my five. Awesome. Let me set my uh, here's a little peek behind the camera, folks. I use this for my timer. I'm using so, the ruminations timer up top here. Oh, look yeah. at you. That, that requires mm -hmm. too much thinking for me. Um, uh -oh. I'm going to hit start. Okay. This is a tough one to talk about because, I mean, there is Return of the Jedi, and then there is Star Wars Episode Six, Return of the Jedi, the special edition. So I am, I love Letterboxd because it just has this as Return of the Jedi. That's what I want. Um... I'm not against, obviously, as you can tell from the background, I'm not against franchises. I'm not against uh, episodic content. I'm not, I'm not against stuff like that. I, I like it when it works. Um, and, and the original trilogy to me is, is perfect the way it is. I've always been kind of against, I, I can't be too hypocritical because I've, I've, like, for instance, the Blade Runner, one of my favorite films, uh, top 15 or 10, I think, I can't remember. Uh, you know, uh, Ridley Scott did go in there and do, I mean, he did many cuts, but I'm saying, like, with the final cut, he went in and he fixed some. Uh, there was one where a stunt performer, it was, it was supposed to be Zora, the replicant, but it was clearly, like, a bearded stuntman was, like, in view, and he fixed the face with that and used the actress's face to fix that. And he added a couple of little club scenes, but for the most part, anything he did was purely aesthetic and not um, didn't mess with the narrative too much. So I, I can't say I'm fully against messing with something that exists in its proper format. Um, I believe things like that should be of their time and stay the same. That's what they, that's what made them successful in the first place. And I think um, anything from 1990. Three with with Jurassic Park, uh, revolutionizing visual effects. So everything from like ninety three to and maybe even ninety two. I'm thinking of films like Lawnmower Man and stuff where people had access to the technology but hadn't mastered it yet. There was kind of this thing like, okay, this is the future. We have to we have to utilize it. And I think there was this thing with 
Uh, it's really bad at Empire Strikes Back because it looks terrible, but um, there was just this need to implement technology where I don't think you have to do that. Uh, to me, the biggest egregious part of this is the fact that, like in in the in a very inconsequential scene, you know, there's Jabba's band is performing. You know, they replace all the amazing puppets and cool stuff they did with not only a new song but all these CGI characters with visual effects that were not ready yet, and 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 that maybe you can throw that out the door, but for me, when they start to mess with the narrative is what gets me because I was showing this to my daughter, fourteen years old. She seemed to be really into it. The 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 parts that really affected her that still gave her a little bit of chills, like for instance, the rancor sequence, which I think is brilliant. That's all practical. They didn't mess with that, and that's what I love. They didn't uh, mess with any of that, and it's a great sequence. It's very old school, like kind of feels very old serial monster versus the hero kind of thing, and I love that. They didn't mess with that, but the, what really pisses me off is like, for example, I teach this a lot in my English class, is that there is a lot of language that exists without speaking. And there is a particularly egregious moment in Return of the Jedi, the special edition, in which Darth Vader is looking towards the Emperor, who's zapping the shit out of Luke Skywalker, and then back at his son. And he's looking back, he's looking back. And I remember, and this is what I'm talking about with these movies having that visual sense. Like, I can still picture in my head that moment, the way that the actor, David Prowse, was conveying that he made a choice, which was he kind of turned his head and went, Mm, and then kind of like went forward, picked up the Emperor, threw him down the hatch. In the special edition, I forgot about this, and I wanted to like just tear the screen apart, is they added a no in there. Like you have to explain the emotional complexity of that scene. That's when I have problems with stuff, is you're taking away the craftsmanship of puppetry and models and things like that. And then also you're taking away the audience's ability to make their own assumption. And so that's, that's my problem. So I know I haven't talked a lot about the movie, but that's unfortunately the version that is out there. And unfortunately that is the only version available. That's my other thing is for example, Star Trek did this too, where they remastered all the old sixties episodes. Um, and some people loved it. Some people hated it because it's of its time. It's the 60s. It was a supremely low-budget show. The, the thing that is great about that remaster, though, with all those new visual effects, is you can watch both versions. You can watch the old one or the new one. We don't have that choice when it comes to these Star Wars films. It's a little bit off-putting. And I do think, and I, I will get to the benefits of it because I'm running out of time, but I will get to the benefits of what Return of the Jedi is. I just think that though it is great that we are able to see it on a big screen and, and have some of the sound effects enhanced and still have those moments like the Rancor sequence or being disgusted by Jabba the Hutt or, you know, seeing the, the, the actors being great, you know, because I, I think this is one of like Harrison Ford's most like laid back performances in his career. Everybody is great on top. Mark Hamill has ascended from, you know, kind of a greenish actor in the first one to a really good solid actor in this everything is in place so that's my only gripe is that we get a we get a pretty damn near perfect movie that unfortunately is messed with and kind of ruins that experience but uh as for the movie itself untouched by any of that extra stuff fantastic film seminal film something i think the kids should see and it shows you truly the power of star wars uh and thank god it's the last one 
<laughs> I love that that's the bit we're going on, whereas this could be a great 30 minutes discussion. All right, folks, um, stay tuned. We'll have a little short break and intermission, and we'll come right back to the video in the show. You've seen Twin Peaks all the way through, but all you have are spoiler-free discussions? At Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. All right, welcome back. Uh, yeah, let's open this kind of up here a little bit. Um, no, I, I love that. Um, yeah, this is a movie that you know, so you're not digging into plot, not necessary. I love I love your thoughts on where this goes, where... Um, yeah, it is that sliding rule of challenge of whether or not you can kind of I love the way you separate it between enhancements and then narrative decisions, you know, but where um, enhancements, I don't mind. You know, I think that's probably where I'm at. But yeah, like the dumbass Java dance, I could completely leave without my kids love it. They're, they're, they're you know, hopping around like it's some kind of thing. I'm like, stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get back to where we're going. But um, but no, uh, I'm with you on like, for example, that if there's a scene that where I'm like, eh. It's probably that no scene. Uh, we because it exasperates that one from that movie that you don't talk about that's got a three on it. And then um <laughs> well and it all also them, really I, I mean th that's that's the thing is this was, if anything, a sign of things to come. I, I think yeah. I think a lot of people are on the fence on whether this is a I, I, there are people out there that consider it as Kevin Smith would call it the holy trilogy. And mm -hmm. now and I and I am one of those people that thinks that narratively speaking all three have a great through line it feels very epic like when you think about the final scenes with luke skywalker and where he started yeah. it has a grand scale to it it's very epic and i and i think all the characterization is organic and it's great are there things in this one that i think give pause to other people especially after what i think is pretty much near perfection in empire strikes back yes there is this introduc introduction of a kid element there is yeah. A kitty element, I should say, with the Ewoks, which I don't really mind because it's no. fine. Um, demographic, right? And but there is, I don't, I, I don't know the history of uh, merchandise at this point. I know that George Lucas made a killing on how he got merchandise, but this does feel like, as would probably happen with a series so big at that point, because mm -hmm. I mean, it was only well, this is eighty three, you know, right. uh, Star Wars was seventy seven, and that changed the whole industry forever. I mean, this is the end of an era in a way. Um, it just, it, you could see like, if this were to continue, and we do live in an era now where everything is built to continue. This wasn't necessarily right. built to continue. Um, this feels like a final capper on the trilogy, but it, it, does, it, it does feel like they, they put in some elements that when they decided to redo these in some alternate universe where these other movies exist <laughs> that i don't know about right they, i'll enter that in a minute here yeah. yeah they they i feel like they took the elements on the business side a little bit more like they said okay this works for getting the kids in this works for getting the adults exactly. in this works for this it became less about an organic story and more about selling toys which is you are right uh something that i fight against when people make that charge against marvel but you know, it's something that you can clearly see happening. Um, mm -hmm. And and we'll get into George Lucas, too, because that's a tough story, too, because George Lucas is essentially the probably the richest independent filmmaker in history. And we'll get into that. Yep. But I, I just think that, like, you could see, like, when you're a historian, you can you can see, like. If if they continued in like 85 with episode seven, it probably would go down a path. The prequels went and somewhat degree the sequels went. 
So that's why I always just kind of look at it as it's the last one because it feels like the last pure one to me. That's fair. No, um, and I think um, if I remember right, when it comes to history, uh, the merchandising was talking. Um, E.T. was the year before it, and it raked. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a merchandising coup of a movie. And that's, you know, that's George's buddy, Stephen, going, hey, look, look mm-hmm. what I pulled off. Maybe if you put a little kitty element in there, mm-hmm. might get a little, bigger, bi- little bit bigger business. And I have to assume that this movie was already up and going well before E.T. got it, you know, got his feet wet when it was making it sure. anywhere. This felt like the plan anyway. Just happened to be a plan similar to his buddy down the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other part about this is um, if I remember correctly and correct me if I'm wrong, you might know this more than me because you're more of a Harrison Ford guy. He was kind of done. You know, like there was not yeah. going to be anything after this one. I think he wanted to be killed off in this one. He, did. he wanted um, to be killed off. Yeah. You know, but I think because of that kitty element, they were like, man, if we throw, if we got fucking Care Bears yeah. running around and then we kill off Han Solo, this is going to be yeah. a weird, That that's going to be some tonal shifts that are mm-hmm. going to be hard to tackle. And so for what we get, yeah. you know, it has its benefits. Like I said, I think Harrison Ford in this one is so charming. And oh, sure. like, he's like, it's, and it's unlike some later Harrison Ford stuff where you can tell he's just pissed off and done. He's just making money. Right. And, Cause every artist, I think every actor does that at some point. Like there's, there's movies he so did true. in the late two thousands where it was clearly like he was grumpy and just collecting paycheck. the paycheck. Yeah. This one is definitely a collect the paycheck movie, but it feels like because he's surrounded by people he knows he's surrounded by friends. He's also the third movie in with this character. So he's very right. comfortable with it. He just seems so laid back and fun. And some of my favorite Han Solo moments are in this movie because it's yeah. just, Hey, it's me. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's me. Or like the, you know, like, he's, you know, just uh-huh. there's something about it is just, you know, it's so fun. So there is a benefit to it, yeah. but I, I do understand like how you would want, you know, the character did have mm-hmm. a roguish quality to him. And now he does kind of have a little like, Hey, that's your cool uncle stepdad feeling to him, but that's true too. Yeah, but uh, you know that's, what? I, that's, uh, yeah, it's great. I, I think I, that's a. I think that's a piece of the times. Like we, I always forget that we're watching. I mean, it's a galaxy far, far away. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm, a long time mm-hmm. ago, but um, but we're watching seventy-seven to eighty-three, like you said. Where what were what were heroes then? What were anti-heroes then? And what were roguish characters then and they were exactly that and like i'm with you you got the loosest version of han solo you were going to get in this third movie and, and yeah it plays great because you could tell everyone's having fun i think maybe and maybe that's harrison forcing the hand of george to be like hey i'm kind of done so let's have fun while i'm here and let's end this thing with a bang and then when they know that ahead of time you everyone could go kind of have fun luke can kind of Lay it, I mean, Mark can kind of lay it all on the floor in terms of what he can grow with Luke Skywalker. Care Fisher get, has enough to do where she's not an entire damsel in distress. She's out there mm-hmm. in the woods, you know, chopping and chasing and all that stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think they were going for what they were going for. And I think it was mission accomplished in that kind of way. Like, it's a super satisfying trilogy capper. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that alternate universe, I get what you're I mean, in that alternate universe, I think more seeds are planted for sure when we realize it what George was going for with the prequel trilogy that happened in that other place. But um, right. where I don't mind, I mean, it's difficult now because those other movies exist in that alternate universe where when I, like when I introduced these to my kids, uh, we did, we did three, four, five, and then we went back and did one, two, three. Mm-hmm. I think if I tell people, like, I think I've told people like the fun order would be three, four, you have that big revelation of Luke, I'm your father. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, and then you kind of do massive three movie flashback where you do three, four, one, two, three, five, mm. and then yeah, seven, eight, nine are are their own weird thing where in that other alternate universe that you're grasping at straws at that point, because unless you can establish really good characters, like you said, organic storytelling mm-hmm. that it was, was completely on point with these original three, when you are just squeezing, just what you're squeezing too hard to get drops that you're not going to get to go anywhere. And you still kind of have to rely on your legacy characters to get you through mm-hmm. a sequel, the sequel trilogy in that alternate universe. That's it gets messy in a hurry. And I, I can still enjoy them. Like I said, I'm kind of on the Davey Folly school of, Hey, it's just more star Wars. I'll hang out. I'll have fun. I'll watch it. But mm. yeah, it does not hit with any kind of punch like this original trilogy does. And like Kevin said, I'm you're getting to some perfection here where yeah, are there more fancy things? Are there more technical things? Are there more heroic things? Maybe, but in terms of a satisfying three movie experience that you can just bang out, that you can't. I don't know much better in terms of just pure entertainment mm-hmm. that are that's three deep. Uh, you can find some two deep things. Maybe find a couple of. Well, I got to get through this, but the third one's good. Kind of moments where there's a middle lag, but this one's rock solid. Yep. No, absolutely. I. It's. It's not possible to talk about these films without talking about the other stuff because they're so reliant on it. And that's, that's the tough yeah. part is I really want to try to live in this universe. And I joke, <laughs> I joke about it, but I really want to live in this universe where there was only the three films because there was a time when star Wars wasn't this conglomerate of things. It was just yeah. three movies. And, and I read a lot of the books that came out because you wanted to continue with these characters and and see what's going on and you know it's not high literature but no you're you're enjoying it you're in that universe but it wasn't overdone like you were like oh i mm-hmm. get a, i get another couple days while i read this book of time with mm-hmm. luke uh, luke uh leia and han um but now it just seems like i guess i, I don't want to get into a whole bashing star wars thing but to me i guess when you are you sure no are, because are, that's are you sure no because that's <laughs> That's that's played. I mean, because people have been doing that forever. But I will make one comment on it, and this is this is the the hard part: is when you do have so many sequels and prequels and series and things like that, and mm-hmm. and it's so reliant on those original, that original trilogy, down from the right. structure of how the films are made to connecting all the dots in the stories. Um, you know, it does. The reason why I like to pretend is because. A lot of these movies, unfortunately, lose their, in the grand scheme of things, lose their impact emotionally and narratively because of all this shit that is coming out. Like, for instance, the big one for me, Return of the Jedi isn't affected too much. Um, I'm not a huge fan of putting Hayden Christensen in there only because, like, let's have the actor who was originally cast do it. You know what I mean? Like, like just let's pretend it happens all the yeah. time. Like you don't need to make the synergy so big that you have to throw Hayden Christensen in there. And some guy, some actor is erased from history. I don't even know the actor's name. That's what I'm saying. It, But I remember him being replaced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's more known for being replaced than anything else. Um, but no, like for me, the biggest one is Empire Strikes Back suffers the most. If you pretend these other movies exist, because, you know, to me, the the greatest the greatest scene in Empire Strikes Back is when Luke is like, "This sucks. I can't do anything." 
you know, I, he's starting to not believe that this little small creature Yoda can do anything. And then Yoda lifts the X-Wing out of the swamp mm-hmm. and it's like a snap of so his fingers. Good. It's easy. Yeah. But, you know, then you flash forward to 2002 and you got him doing backflips and, mm-hmm. you know, like lightsaber fighting and throwing mm-hmm. like in number three, throwing Senate things at people. And yeah, it just it ruins that. And I think the the more you add the, the the mystique of so much of this goes away, you know, the you can't help but sit there and think of, you know, unfortunately, like while you're watching and I got to give credit to David Prowse who plays Darth Vader. Like he doesn't get a lot of credit because James Earl Jones kind of is the voice, but in mm-hmm. empire strikes back, not so much in the first, first star Wars. Cause everybody, with the exception of maybe Alec Guinness and, and Harrison Ford are kind of, uh, you know, not exactly the greatest actor putting their best performance in, but right. like, I feel like in empire strikes back and return of the Jedi, there's so much going on. You know, like there's a lot, there's a lot you have to do as an actor to portray emotion and portray thoughts with a mask on, you know, when we can't mm-hmm. see your eyes and stuff. There are, mo- there are moments in Empire Strikes Back. In Empire Strikes Back, it's more of a, a fear thing. Like I still fear Darth Vader in that movie. I think he's terrifying, you know, and he's, he's so like, um, you know, uh, I would say trigger happy in terms of with his force thing to kill you if you mess up. But in this one, there's a lot of, um, you can see there's something clicking behind that helmet. Like there's the mm-hmm. scene where there's the scene where they're pretending to get on the planet in the little triangular ship thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can you can see, you can feel Darth Vader calculating things in his head. He knows something's going on. He kind of has a feeling maybe Luke is on that ship. You can see all that stuff playing out. And then also like there's a fantastic scene. My daughter was re-showing it to me because I guess it's on TikTok a lot. One of okay. my favorite scenes in the movie is when uh, Luke turns himself in and they have that little talk in yeah. the hallway in the woods, which mm-hmm. is very quaint by today's standards. If that was a prequel mm-hmm. movie, there'd be fucking ships running oh, by yeah. people yeah, cleaning yeah. windows. Columns, this, massive yeah. production design, something yeah. too big. This was yeah. just two people talking mm-hmm. in a little hallway, but it's in like one of the best lobby by the elevator. Yeah, <laughs> know, and it's right? like and it's like yeah. one of the best scenes in the movie because totally it's two characters and 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 prouse has to do a lot of that acting he has to sell mm-hmm. that he's yes, having this yeah. conversation that he's yeah he's not sure what's going like you can tell he's conflicted because luke can feel that it's great acting great it, it might stuff. be mark's best scene too oh know? absolutely absolutely well yeah. I, i'm gonna i'm probably gonna go with no, any of the, a couple i'm gonna go with any of the yoda scenes in empire and this one because we forget Yoda is so effective that we forget it's a puppet and, and, and fucking Mark Hamill's talking to a puppet. That's how True. good, that's how fluid their conversations yeah, are. Yeah, you yeah. forget that. But my point is, is that you've got this great acting, but like now you can't help but think of well, that's pod racing and all this other shit. Hayden yeah. Christensen did when you see Darth Vader, it just, it just lessens the impact of so many things, not just the character, not do you, not only do you know too much about the character, but also it, it undermines things like the acting performances of like a David Prowse or the power of the scenes between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Like there's just mm-hmm. so much that is sullied by the existence of those other films. Sure. And and Darth Vader is a perfect example of it. I just so it's kind of twofold. It's like I can't take those scenes as seriously anymore. And you got Hayden Christensen literally popping up. And it's like that's yeah. I just I, can't I um, do 
can't do it. How I how I make peace with it is personally is um I didn't mind the prequel trilogy because um I just it was still Lucas um and I've heard um I've heard Simon Pegg talk about this when it came to the sequel trilogy mm. and I think I've brought it up in the show where like people were asked like hey it feels like there's something missing from the movies that you're making or at least the one you know the uh -huh. the sequel trilogy and he was part of the first one in a, in a voice performance he's like they're missing George Lucas which you're missing a little bit of just that heel clicking you know screwiness that kind of comes with having Lucas or the the heightened melodrama that happens to just kind of be what he does and mm -hmm. the prequels definitely mine and over mine the, the melodrama but um and I know Hayden Christian's not the best actor. He, he shows up, thank God, in the third one being pretty decent. Um, Ewan McGregor seals that that the prequel trilogy for me where that's one actor working hard to make what's there work. Working hard to make, you know, lemonade, yeah. lemon, lemonade on a, a lemon a little bit. A a totally. Yeah. And, um, but, um, but I'm with you. I have to second what you're saying where um, the more and more they add to this, especially the stuff that connects very Skywalker-ish. Mm -hmm. um the more this inevitably does water has to water things down um the mandalorian doing its own thing i don't mind because for a while there it was its own thing but then luke shows up you know so we're still kind of there you yeah, know just, everything yeah. everything still has to have an anchor to this already settled and kind of perfect thing like you said and you know rogue one was good for a while but then if you know, Darth Vader's got to show up because Darth Vader's got to show up. And as much as I, I love that hallway ass kicking scene, it still it, it still devalues what comes after. And what comes after is Prowse walking through that door, flinging that cape, choking a motherfucker, and starting things up in Star Wars. And um, and even the Obi Wan series that just was last year, where I don't mind getting a little bit more, again, I don't mind getting a little more Star Wars, I don't mind getting a little more Ewan McGregor. But now you're kind of like putting some clouds in the way of like what did Leia remember and not remember? And cause how could you not remember this? And then, yes, it's nice to get Hayden back in there playing this character of Darth Vader and, and it, it progressing where they go. But at the same time now we're maybe devaluing a little bit where like Guinness got to go afterwards and it mm -hmm. all does poke, poke. It adds too many things on top of what was already a well-balanced thing. And it, it is hard to watch. Um, for me, it has to, that it's become a point where, I have to watch it and appreciate it kind of in morsels. Like if I'm going to sit back and watch his original trilogy, just hang right there. Don't worry about the other thing. Don't worry about the next thing. Just hang in there for a little while. Um, if I'm intrigued enough to want to re revisit a little piece here, a little piece there, fine. But becoming this entire over tangential saga, it is now become too much. And um, it's to the point where it's getting hard to watch Star Wars. And I see the new plans that are coming out with, with, um, some kind of felony movie to wrap up what, what these series have done this post return to Jedi stuff, which is weird. Cause we know it's all going to fail because we get to force awakens and none of this shit's here, which is, which means it's cute for now, but not going to be cute for later. And then, um, I like the idea of what they're going to do of like, whatever this old Republic stuff is like, if you're going to remake it and try to get more star Wars, do something non Skywalker and go back a thousand years, start the Jedi. They'll and, still find a yeah. way to connect it to the side. It's not, we'll get, it's, yeah, we'll get a baby. Learn. We'll get baby Yoda. Who's 800 years old, right at the cusp end of whatever that is. Cause again, a bridge must be built and <sighs> the bridge is unfortunately, you're right. Made of some kind of money and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, it is, or we're going to get a Darth Plagueis thing or like it, we will have a threat. And, um, I, I do wish, would you wish, that if, if it was just these three, man, we'd be in a good place. Um, because we're not, 
yeah, you got to watch things here, watch things there. I, I, I've almost kind of gone on record and say, because people do that deserted island question, like what big series would you take with you on an island to, to love mm -hmm. and love and have forever? Mm -hmm. I'm taking Star Trek before I'm taking Star Wars because mm -hmm. one volume, um, those shows are great mm -hmm. because they can kind of hang on their own and they're, uh -huh. they're just have headier and better ideas than Star Wars ever had because that's all melodrama sure. bullshit. But um, like the movies play on their own, shows play on their own. They of course have their threads and they have their mixes, but it just feels, I'm going to use your word, organic. Like nothing has ever felt outside of a screw up here or there, super overstuffed where you can't have a little bit of this, can't have a little bit of that and enjoy one leg here and one leg there. And um, yeah, that'll always kind of be Star Wars' issue is, and I, and I thought, I, last thing I'll say on this and pass it back to you is, um, uh, and I, I should have known this was coming as soon as Lucas sold it. You know, I think for a while there, Lucas did his prequel trilogy and it kind of stopped. Like he wasn't going to make a sequel trilogy until Disney bought it. And then Disney ham fisted and got what they got because they were going to squeeze for the merchandise. And like, they probably could have just sat on it because I know they only bought it for like $2 billion from, from George and George is rich for life and he deserves to be, but um, like they could have just left it and just, you know, recut it here, put in the vault here, sold the thing here, did a tangential thing here, but nothing, no big sequel trilogies. I know those things all made money, which is great, but like, um, you know, I thought, I think part of me maybe 10 years ago thought, well, this, we're going to, this is going to die with the old man. It's going to be great. You know, like, and I probably, and I, I think Stan Lee got lucky because Marvel hadn't been tapped yet by the time Marvel got bought by Disney and has turned into the thing that has turned into, which is, right. which has been better for it. I'll, I'll say this is the, golden era of that but sure, um sure I have yeah, thoughts on that but yeah 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 but it's um i don't know it's um it's a sh it's a pleasure and it's a shame it's hard to hard to hard to say speak on that balance it's weird it's hard to like well, like i'll say we'll always have this and we will but will. It, it is getting disappointing the longer we go well and a lot of people want to compare star wars and marvel and i guess we are seeing a little bit of the Star Warsification of Marvel a little bit because we have seen some pushback to when they've pushed the envelope a little too far in Marvel. Like, okay. um, like for example, the fact that there's a fourth Thor movie. Now, I, I enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder, but sure. people were kind of like, well, that character's kind of done and you're bringing him back and you're also doubling down on the comedy when we kind of used yeah. to have this serious character. You know, that's the that's the the problem with trying to extend stuff. Now, they've done a good job so far, and thankfully with Black Widow, they decided to erase the scene they were gonna have Tony Stark in. But um, mm -hmm. you know, they've done a great job so far of like the problem with Luke Skywalker is now he's everywhere and he's connected to everything. Like yeah. Marvel will definitely go down the Star Wars path if suddenly Robert Downey Jr. is doing six more movies and it's like, okay, well, we already got the perfect arc with him. So yeah. They haven't. They have been a little bit overexposed, but I can't put Marvel on the same level as Star Wars at this point. I can't either. Yeah, just because. And, they're, and I, they're cooking I, with different stuff. You know? My last, my last comment on the prequels is, what I do admire is that they set out to make three films that would be similar in tone, and had a purpose. My problem with them is not that they exist; it's that the creative choices were so bad and the pacing is so bad, you know, that yeah. they, they ran out of time and suddenly like Hayden Christensen is evil. He's not really that bad really until yeah. like an hour left in the whole thing. The third movie is um, kind of the only one you need to, you know? Yeah. And, 
and I, I actually like episode one the most of the three because it has that that old Star Wars feeling of like a serial. It has yeah. a very established universe that I enjoy. It's just they make some terrible creative decisions like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, killing off uh, not only Ace your most them. compelling hero yeah. in Qui-Gon, who would I, I think would have been, you know, would have been better served dying in the third one as kind of the end of the line for Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, because it's like, yeah. oh, shit, now Qui-Gon's dead. But also yeah. killing off a villain that should have been there the whole three movies and been the oh, ultimate yeah. ending. They kill him off in the first one, and then they have this power vacuum that of villainry that they've tr- they've kept trying to do. You could tell they were like, oh, yeah. shit, we shouldn't have killed Darth Maul because we're going to try Jango Fett. No, that didn't really work. How about Count Duke? Yeah. Uh, that didn't really... Well, maybe we got to get the Emperor in here. You know, like it just... General Grievous. Yeah, it gets... General it gets, Grievous, they, yeah. they just... They were chasing... They had it. They had it ready. I, I'm going to yeah. say that Episode One had a lot going for it, and it just kind of mm. petered out. So that's my last thought on the prequels. But yeah, let's talk about Return of the Jedi, like the actual okay. movie, instead of all this other crap. Okay. Um, one thing that has never worked for me in this movie, and it's not a detriment. Like I don't, I don't feel like the movie suffers from it. Okay. But one thing I've always read my whole life, you know, whether I'm reading, you know, uh, contemporary reviews of it, or essays about it, or the philosophy of Star Wars, or behind mm. the stuff is that we're always supposed to kind of feel like Luke when he's first introduced is on the edge of maybe being on the dark side because of the dark clothes ah, and the fact, you know, I okay. never, I never felt that. I've never Neither. felt that anytime yeah. I've ever, I, I do feel it when he gets angry at the end. Sure. You know, when he's like, I'm going to turn your sister and he's hitting, yeah, he's hitting Darth he's Vader. Waylon on his head. Yeah. Waylon, like, that that I believe that that's one where I'm like right. okay he's been tempted by the dark side in that moment, but mm. like you always see all this stuff about how they wanted to tease that maybe Luke could be evil, I just never got that, and so I've that's one of the thematic things. I was just curious if that you ever felt that because no, um, yeah. I I if I thought if I felt that it's because of what you said to kind of preface it is um the contemporary stuff that has come after making you think so. At the time, no, I felt like true blue hero, moment of weakness. He's mm-hmm. going to come through. He's been talking good all movie. It's just a matter of trying to push his dad more, push his dad more and get it. Um, what made me at least put the question mark in my head is probably that fantastic uh, graphic novel series done by Dark Horse, um, Dark Empire, mm-hmm. um, where it does imagine Luke saying, you know, Luke has accomplished what he's accomplished in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. The sequel, the sequel uh, graphic novel takes him down to the I need to find out about this dark side stuff because if I can if I can if I can enter into it and figure out how to figure it out I can maybe beat it and it turns into Luke entertaining the dark side and maybe there's clones of Palpatine and like Luke and Leia have a kid and have issues and like it, some of that stuff plays in the graphic novel and it's a pretty darn good graphic novel from Dark Horse back in the day um, only after that did I go ooh I guess that could be hinted at impossible and I, I i mean but no i think i think when he when he strolls up to jabba's palace full rescue my friends mode even with the dark clothes i i never buy for a second mm-hmm. that he's gonna do something off character it'd be I different did, if he's the one choking out jabba with the chain and he's the one throwing boba fett into the star like like he doesn't take he doesn't there's not a malicious kill out of him either like be different if he like 
savored something a little more uh, than he did. He does you know? get shot in the hand and he's like, fuck you. And he like cuts that guy uh, down. But I mean, I like, too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But no, and he also does the. This is the first time I thought about it, but only because force powers have been so oversized in Star Wars from the okay. prequels on. Like, he does, like, minorly choke those Gamorrean guards a little bit, but I thought that more of, like, a more of like a nice jab, like, stay away. Yeah, yeah, It's not yeah, like yeah. he's killing them, but, right. but that did take me aback a little bit. But that's, like I said, that's only because now we know, I mean, Empire Strikes Back did it too, but now we kind of know that, like, all these force powers, you know, they kind of have the good ones and the bad ones. Like, the force yeah. lightning is bad. The choking is bad. Right. You know, but when really, when you think about Luke Skywalker, I mean... He does some mind tricks. He does some cool lightsaber stuff. But the only really crazy thing he does is like a backflip once. Like, but, I know. But so that's the other problem is that like it uh, in the prequel uh, trilogies, everyone's a fucking gymnast. Yeah. Right. So everyone's on a wire team from Hong Kong. Yeah, because I well, I was just curious your thoughts on that, because I've never really talked okay. to anybody about that. And I keep reading about that was their intention. So if that was their intention, I don't think they did a good job of it. The intention um, where to make him look dark and maybe be possibly evil in the beginning. Like that's, that's something I never the wonder, you know? Yeah. I, but I and never more, felt that once. I don't know no, if me neither, but, but I get the attempted dramatic peril to the sure. maybe untrained eye or the casual viewer who's not super invested, but I no, I see through it. Well, and another, another thing I love about this movie, like I said, is the Han Solo factor. Like he's mm-hmm. funny. He's charming. One thing I'll always love about Harrison Ford uh, is in this and Force Awakens too. Um, you know, he he never. I never feel like he's too big for the universe he's in because at that point you got to think. That's true. You got to think. Star Wars, the first one, that was his star making. The beginning of his star making. Yeah, you know, eighty three. He's already released indie. Top of the world. He's been in yeah. Blade Runner. He's you know he's done. He's been in Apocalypse. Now he's he's becoming one of the biggest actors in the world. But my mm-hmm. my one of my favorite moments is when he's talking to Chewie in the jail cell. Like, yeah. and 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 that that was one of my favorite moments in Force Awakens when uh, they're playing with the crossbow and you know mm-hmm. they say like they just he it, it never feels like he's talking down to no an actor who's in a gorilla suit, essentially like it it feels organic. He's honest to the character. Like I feel like they're friends. Like I feel like him and Chewie are, I've always, for for whatever reason, I always quote this line. Like, I don't know why, but I'll be in my car and I'll just always Mm -hmm. be like, I don't know, fly casual. Like, I don't, I don't know why, but I like love the way he delivers that line. I don't know. Fly casual. And he he had zingers and he, like you said, force awakens. He had zingers like that all day with, with Peter Mayhew playing Chewbacca again. And it just, just like you said, their, their grown in friendship couldn't look more natural. Like it's not, it's not a Seinfeld zinger or a a joke dropping. I'll say it a Marvel thing. It's not a Taika Waititi line. It's Harrison ribbing. And Harrison ribbing is just subtle enough to rib, but yeah. still well, be like, you yeah. know, I love yeah, when like when he talks Chewie's, to the gangsters and yeah. Other one, Chewie's petting his head, and he's like, "I'm okay, pal. I'm okay." Like, yeah, it just feels so. Or real. like when he um he does it with Anthony Daniels too. Like uh when they get free it's after happening. almost getting cooked when yeah. when they get free almost getting cooked from the wick from the Ewoks, and he's like, "Hey, get him to get our weapons back. Hey, get him to show us where the thing is." And like <laughs> Anthony Anthony plays that great. Like keeps coming back. You know, just kind of yeah. just playing with just well, riffing with Harrison, you know. The other one I do too is like, like every now and then, you, everyone needs a hug, and I love 
Yeah. When the Ewok hugs him, and he's like, you know what? I really needed that. And he hugs yeah. him again. I'm just like, ah, that's just infectious. Like just that, yeah. like, you know, it sure. And I'm just, there with the Ewoks too. Like, I don't mind the Ewoks. They, I like no, them. They're, they're, an, they're, they're a helpful little boost of, Something to cheer for in this movie, like um, yep. and I, I love the memes that are out there. Like, name a time you were sadder than this, and it's when the Ewok gets blasted down in the. Little oh Ewok sure, my daughter was like, like, oh my, my kids are into it too. I, I love like that's there with the horse from Never Ending Story and like kid death moments. We're like, shit, they got one. Yep. You know, yeah, that down, was you know, and it makes a part. baby sound too. Like, oh, it, goes, so like it makes a baby screeching thing. Yeah, but yeah, like I just um, I don't mind, and I also kind of like the idea. I know this is probably uh-huh. thinking a little too heavily into Return of the Jedi. You but don't I, say. I, I like the idea of an mm-hmm. evil empire just saying, this is our moon now, and the indigenous culture being like, fuck you, this yep. is our moon. Yep. I love that. That's I just, fair. I love yep. that. Like, it's not, I'm not going to go so far to say it's social commentary, but I, I think it is kind yeah. of a genius way to, to be like, hey, like, it's to me, it's not unreasonable that someone that would know that land and had lived mm-hmm. on it their entire life would protect it and have all this shit ready for it. You know what I mean? Like I, I That's just right. I don't see it out of the realm of, you know, uh possibility. Like it, it, it I'm like I'm never like, oh, they're so overmatched yet somehow they're winning. I don't see that. I yeah. I always just think of they're in their natural element. They got home field advantage, you know? Like, I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. me and, and and I don't mind a little uh humor you know i i think i it's yeah one of the because like yeah. the ewok things that work like and like when they throw rocks and it doesn't work when they do the the triple rope and it just drags them along but then yeah. every now and then they get a win with some logs like hey yeah every squirrel gets a nut every now and then good job buddy what you a know? brutal way for those dudes to die in the oh, people i've seen um <laughs> i've seen videos like again thinking too hard about the movie and suggesting too much like that the ewoks are truly like fucking killers you know like sure. they have all these helmets of people like they probably eat humans if you didn't stop them and all these stormtroopers that die well and, they were about like, to die. eat everybody they but, were about to eat everybody yeah oh yeah but like but 90 percent of the stormtroopers in this movie die from blunt force fucking trauma from an ewok <laughs> doing some fucked up thing to them and that's kind of like when you really like oh it's the cuddly guys just knocking the white guys down you know the little but like oh, they're and- wearing the tupperware armor you know but um mm-hmm. but you realize i guess as an adult like damn there's some oh shit oh, that, and i do love i do love that when leia gets shot in the arm like han solo han solo shoots that fucker in the face he's just oh, like yeah. fuck you bam like shoots him right in the face like i and, and you know what the other thing that was affecting and and you don't get this a lot with minor characters in a lot of franchises even marvel um uh-huh. there's a couple of like x-wing or a-wing fighters that they introduce at the beginning of the battle and then you see them die and you're kind yeah. of bummed. You're like, there's one yeah. guy that looks like he's wearing like a, he's, it looks like he's green, like, or he's like yeah. green. He's wearing like, it also looks like he's wearing like a full suit thing. But he and, pops that Star Destroyer, right? Yeah. He's the yeah, one yeah, that yeah. goes to the Star Destroyer, but you're kind of like literally bummed when he dies sure. because like you, like even in that small moment, he's a, he's a, I don't mean a nothing character disrespectfully. I mean, just mean he doesn't have a name. He doesn't have anything, but like mm-hmm. you see him in the battle, you're following him a little bit yeah. and there's a little bit of, like you're kind of like, oh shit! I mean, yeah, he went out in a blaze of glory, took down the superstar story, sure. but at the same time, you're also kind of bummed that he's dead. Like you're like, yeah, oh, that sucks. Did like you, um, yeah. you know, we talked about that uh, in terms of the big finale. We talked about Endor. We talked about the throne room with Luke. How did how do you like the Lando and the space fight? Because like the, you can tell the special effects took a step 
since 77 where some of that dogfighting is amazing. In I and Lando have always been amazed by that sequence. I, I've as a kid, I was amazed, but it's one of those things. There's, there's a lot of movies you can mm-hmm. watch as a kid that when you watch it as an adult, you can you can't help but see the wires. You can't help but see, you know, yeah. through, through adult eyes how that stuff. That sequence to this day still impresses me. Like uh, yeah. the, the the first Shift. shot, the first shot when they go, uh, what is it? What does Akbar say? He says like, uh, take evasive action or something, and you see mm-hmm. like seventy Tie Fighters like coming at the screen and shooting. Like that scene to me, like and yeah. and 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 if anything, through adult eyes, it impresses me more because you know back then it wasn't CGI; it was oh, model oh, work, models. and you had yeah. to have. Uh, I've seen clips of like, for for example, like uh, I'm a big Star Trek guy. Like whenever they had shots of like the the Enterprise, you know, they'd have yeah. to film it like six times for all the different lighting and stuff like that. Oh, so sure. If, if the ship was coming, you know, towards the camera, mm-hmm. you'd have to film it once in its hole. You'd have to film it with the lights off. You'd have to film it with mm-hmm. just the lights of like the little things. Yeah, all that. So, right. So, I, so it, this sequence amazes me even more because you've got what. You've got like all these star destroyers. You got a Death Star model. You've got all these X. Or, uh, you've got all these Tie Fighters flying at you. I yeah. mean, you, you know, at least fifteen or sixteen little Tie Fighter models. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some Lando, of, yeah, some of the battle sequences. I mean, like you said, the dogfighting. Uh, there's always that there's one where the guy like shoots and he nearly misses his like friendly fire and he gets it and then like Wedge is like nice shot Red Two or whatever. Oh yeah, like yeah. that still gets me going. I'm like, that was awesome. Like and that was then, so like, cool. And like you said with models, like how they move the camera to follow the Millennium Falcon down into the Death Star and then it's pipes coming at you in like the best 3D sequence that's not 3D in the whole wide world. Because if your ears weren't pinned back watching the dogfighting and all the space stuff, when they hit that tunnel and the lights and the TIE Fighters Mm, and the Falcon going through, holy shit, I have no clue to this day how they pulled that off with that kind of speed precision where that holds up. Today, it'd be a a green screen blur. It'd be too much. It'd be a Fast and Furious. Yeah, that... that, that, that sequence first of all one thing i will always give star wars and even in the prequels and to a degree the sequel trilogies one thing i've always liked about star wars um not in the main narrative the skywalker narrative because everything is explained even han solo's name is explained in yeah. that solo movie i've oh, always God. liked that there's a lot of stuff that just goes unexplained unexplored like um there's a lot Watch of it and live it yeah yeah, like there's a lot of like creatures you don't know anything about them. There's a lot of like, um, like I like the idea that there's this under construction Death Star. There's no rhyme or reason to it, and nothing is cooler than when they enter the main chamber. Like that's one of those things where like I would always like rewind and pause, uh, even though it's a forehead VCR, and it's like I want to yeah. see like all the texture on that matte painting. Like amazing. It, that's that's the thing is they, they it seemed like there was. Um, a little bit of life outside of I wish they could have that with the narrative of the main characters. Yeah. But one thing star Wars really does well, especially in that original trilogy is kind of like having that used lived in future. And you get these little moments that are just so cool. I mean, that whole death star sequence inside it is just, I mean, it's, you never question it. It's just, yep. it's, you know, it's under construction. So it looks weird and yep. different. And it's also, even though it's basically the same ending as the first one by yeah. changing that setting a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a retread. Like you don't feel like oh. you're going into the, into the, uh, what's it called? The uh, trench. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a whole different you're thing. Still, you're, you know, yeah. 
I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's not your all clear. It's not quite the level of your all clear kid. Let's get him and get out of here. Like, but when Lando makes it out of that tunnel, flames oh, cool. behind him, you're still cheering. My kids are hooting and hollering in their seats. Oh, yeah. We were like, yeah, like it was, oh, I mean, yeah. it was, and, and I don't know how much, I mean, I think your kids and my kids mm-hmm. having that reaction, my daughter's 14, your kids are 10 and eight. Having yeah. that reaction, having that reaction is a testament to it because it could be easy. There are definitely some things that, um, you know, we would look at and go, okay, this is childhood nostalgia and we're only sure. connected to it because of the childhood. But the fact that it's still 40 years later mm-hmm. has the same effect on someone that would have no idea what you and I went through to watch these movies, watching on VHS tapes or watching on TBS or whatever, you know, endlessly over and over again, you know, and the fact that there was no internet for you to, to take screenshots of and, and dive into everything. This was just purely yeah. like, you see what you get. You know, for that to work on this generation of kids that kind of do have that CGI thing, that that, that just goes to the testament of how good of a movie it is. That's right. You know, it's so and I'm good. glad that we're getting to a point, hopefully, with, and it's probably happened even earlier than now, like, because, you know, I'm not the first dad to take his kids to Return of the Jedi, where sure. chances are there were kids that were taken in the 90s when we went. There's yep. kids getting taken for this anniversary event, and more of that will come. Like, I, I someday you still see the YouTube videos of like dads that put camcorders on kids in, in, in empire. Like when those genuine reactions can still happen from that movie, this movie, it's, it's the best. It's amazing. Well, And, and this will be my, special. this will be my like final comment on it. Cause I know we got to wrap yeah. things up, but um, yeah, like the reason why these movies still work 40 years later is because when I found out this was going to be on the big screen, None of the baggage of Star Wars came into play. I said, I will buy a ticket to this. Like that to me is the ultimate thing is it doesn't matter how much Star Wars there is or how much I think it's been ruined or how much I think it's overplayed and overdone. The minute that was on the big screen, I was like taking my kid to that. I bought a ticket immediately. Like that's, that is the power of the original trilogy and specifically Return of the Jedi. It's just, it's, uh, that's, I can't think of any better way to praise it than that, you know? that wrap us up man thanks man yeah absolutely great great one uh okay guys so i want you to follow us on twitter at cinephile fit on facebook at cinephile hissy fit podcast and instagram at cinephile fits find both of us by name on letterbox to check out our film reviews and ratings we are also on rotten tomatoes and we are charter members of the independent film critics of america thank you so much for your loyal listenership in our tussles or i should say viewership now because this might be our first a video episode i guess maybe maybe and for connecting with us on social media cinephile hissy fit is a ruminations radio network podcast sponsored by film obsessive and 25 wild media if you enjoyed this show the ruminations radio network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics please rate review and subscribe to our show and others on itunes spotify and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts 